You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On the Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. Hello. Welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I want to spend some time talking about reinvention. Now, this thought came to me from my old friend, Johnny Cash. Just kidding. We aren't friends. In fact, he's actually quite dead. But before he died, he did succeed in reinventing himself. Now, if you're someone who's familiar with Johnny Cash, you might think of him for songs like Walk the Line, Balsam Prison Blues, A Boy Named Sue, or perhaps you know him from his variety show, or... Maybe, if you're like me, his memorable appearance on my favorite TV show, Columbo. You knew I was coming up here. I knew. Then I didn't know. And then I know. Nothing ever gets past Columbo. But here's the thing. You you probably know Johnny Cash if you know him from all those things I just mentioned. But what you probably don't associate him with is industrial rock. And you may not even know what industrial rock is. But if you grew up in the 90s or if you came of age in the 90s, kind of like I did, you're very familiar with bands like, you know, Nine Inch Nails, things like that. Anyway, I was driving this morning and Johnny Cash's cover of a Nine Inch Nails song came on the radio. And if you know anything about Johnny Cash, you know, he was he was known for country music, rockability, blues, later on gospel. And, you know, Hurt is none of the above. You know, it it really is. It came out of this, you know, 90s anger. Um, but his rendition of this song, it's chilling. And and while what I'm about to say may be blasphemous, you know, I'm willing to take that risk. I think it's actually better than Trent Reznor's original version. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. And that's just a little small taste of hurt by Johnny Cash. Uh, of course, originally written by Trent Reznor and performed by Nine Inch Nails. Now, here's the thing. After being out of the spotlight for a long time, a very long time, you know, I think Johnny Cash started in the 50s. He was able to reinvent himself in the 90s and he found relevance again. You know, he found relevance with an audience whose parents listened to Johnny Cash or maybe even grandparents. I don't know. I'd have to do the math on that. And as, as I discussed before, I'm not very good at math. But I started thinking about reinvention, you know, after hearing this song, and I was chewing on it during my morning run. And, and I came to this, you know, okay, master the obvious thought here, but 
the ability to reinvent oneself, you know, it does require a lot of different stars to align. You know, you, you need a vision of what you want to accomplish. You need the confidence that you can do it. You need support and support is both emotional as well as financial. You know, you need to you need people who, who want to buy what you're selling. You know, not that you're always selling a product, but, you know, if you're changing, you know, something about a service offering, there needs to be a demand there. If you're changing something about a relationship, obviously there needs to be a demand there, too. The thing is, you know, you need a lot of things in order to reinvent yourself. But there's one thing that you absolutely cannot have. You know, it's one thing that will sink your reinvention before it can set sail. And that one thing is a victim's mentality. You know, Business-wise, I've, I've actually, like many people, have had to reinvent myself uh, and my company over the past year. You know, believe it or not, I don't earn a sustainable living off of my writing. And that's actually true for most writers and authors, you know, also true for most actors. You know, you see like the, the top 1% who make it onto TV and in the movies and all that. Um, most of us who who have these hobbies in the creative fields um, can't really earn a living off of it just yet. There's always time. I believe that there's always time. But uh, the business that I had been building slowly but surely since 2002, which was the year that, you know, my company Vertigo Partners was legally founded, had actually done quite well. Um, and eventually, you know, over time, I was able to take it from something that I would I would work on, you know, uh, at night as sort of a, a side hustle, I believe the kids say these days. And I was able to, you know, a few years ago, actually make a living being out on my own. I could actually do that. And I, and I, and I you know, had autonomy. And I, if there's one thing you know about me is you know that I love autonomy. But, you know, uh things change. And, and for context, I'll let you know, if, if you don't know, um, <laughs> I run focus groups or I ran, I should say ran, uh, past tense, focus groups all over the country and for big companies, you know, like Unilever, Pepsi, um, places like that. You know, they were, they were, they were my clients and, and they would hire me to test new products. They'd hire me to test, you know, communications ideas for those new products, things like that. And for the most part, you know, the way that you do this work in, in my field is to get you know, a bunch of strangers together in a room and have a group conversation with them. And, you know, we, we, you know, my job was to lead that discussion and it's awesome. It's like an awesome job. It is totally for me, but it's also a recipe for disaster <laughs> during COVID times. You know, it's not too safe to fly to the, you know, the three cities a week that I used to fly to every week, you know, nor are people actually comfortable gathering in tighter and enclosed spaces. And it, maybe they are in Florida. But, you know, you really can't replicate that kind of work online. And, and, and I'll tell you why. You know, some people might say, well, can't you just uh, do video focus groups or something like that? And I guess the answer is yes to no. But think about it this way, right? Technically, you can do it. But think about it this way. Have you ever been on a group Zoom call? Do you know how frustrating it is when, when people start talking over each other? You know, have you tried this for family gatherings over the holidays? You know, if, if you were... Uh, if you're one of those people who, who decided to do your holidays virtual this year, yeah, how frustrating it is to be on a group Zoom call. Uh, you know, people start talking over each other. And, you know, best case scenario, best case scenario is that only one person out of the six or seven on screen has audio issues, right? So now instead of, instead of asking people how they feel about a certain thing, I'm, you know, helping them turn on <laughs> getting their audio set up or, or fixing their microphone or fixing their camera, et cetera. So you get the idea. 
But what COVID has forced me to do is really reinvent how I go to market, how I position myself and my services. And I say myself because I'm a company of one. And just getting back to that victim mentality, you know, if I played the victim and walked around thinking to myself, oh, COVID killed my business, poor me. You know, my family wouldn't eat. That's that's the bottom line. They wouldn't eat. And I'll tell you one thing. There's five of us. We all like to eat. All of us. Even the two dogs. There's seven of us. Now, yesterday, we went to Stu Leonard's. And if you're familiar with the world's largest dairy store, as seen on Ripley's Believe It or Not, you know that for every $100 you spend, you get a free ice cream. Well, yesterday, we got four free ice creams. So that's the thing. The family likes to eat. <laughs> we have to feed these people. And, um, you know, if I, if I were just to, you know, throw in the towel, we wouldn't be able to do that. That we wouldn't be able to enjoy, you know, the comforts <laughs> of food. So like Johnny Cash, I had to reinvent my business, right? It was still a tough year. Revenues were down. I didn't give up, though. And, and I bet a lot of people can relate to that. But, but here's the thing. Reinvention isn't just for aging rockability musicians. You know, it, it's also applicable to personal relationships as well. Now, as you may recall, in the last episode, I played a clip um, about love from an interview I did with psychologist, author, and trainer Gay Hendricks. And as, as I was kind of revisiting that episode, I found another clip that I think is relevant to reinvention as well. So this is going to be, you know, a Gay Hendricks twofer <laughs> between this episode and the last episode. Now, one of the things that he's emphatic about with regards to being in a healthy relationship is for both partners to shed a victim's mentality. So listen to what uh, Dr. Hendricks has to say about that. And I'll remind you, he was on Oprah. So listen carefully. First of all, equality needs to start with that move of being willing to claim responsibility for things that are going on. Because if you have one person who's willing to do that and another person who really only wants to be the victim, to plead the victim position, then that pattern keeps going around. Usually what happens is relationship problems are perpetuated by both people rushing for the victim position and trying to claim to be the victim. And then each one tries to out-victim the other one. And so there's no way out of that except by each person taking responsibility for it and say, okay, here's why I created that in my life. Here's why I created that issue with you. And if both people are willing to do that, then problems are cleared up very quickly. Look, anyone who's been in a relationship for decades, even shorter than decades, right? A few years has likely either played the victim before or has been with somebody who played the victim. And, and personally, I've been on both sides. You know, I've been married for 21 years. And if you've been married for that long, you know, at some point in time, your partner is going to do something that upsets you and, and you're going to do, you know, you're, you're going to return that favor at some point. Um, and if there's one thing I've learned, it's to speak up about it. And it took me a while to learn that lesson. And I blame my mother for that. Oh, wait, that's too cliched. Actually, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I do kind of blame my mother for it because she had something to do with it. Now, you see, I was raised Catholic and am still a practicing Catholic, so not, not ashamed to admit it. Um, but one of the phrases you will hear Catholics say, in particular, particularly older ones and particularly my mother, is to offer it up for the souls of purgatory. And what is purgatory, you might ask? Well, according to Our Lady of Google, it's a place or state of suffering inhabited by the souls of sinners who are expatiating their sins before going to heaven. And if that doesn't sound bad enough, <laughs> those of us who are still living are asked to offer up our own personal suffering for the souls of purgatory, as it's our belief that it will help them get into heaven more quickly. 
or so I'm told. And just think about it for a second, though. I mean, that's the message that was drilled into me as a kid. And, and I and I was blaming my mother, but my father, you know, would, would say that to me, too, you know, offer it up for the souls of purgatory. But think about what that message is. You know, in a way, it says your suffering doesn't matter. Keep quiet. Don't complain. Don't address it. And, you know, we've known therapy works since like, what, the 1800s with Freud? Um, so that was my mentality. You know, if somebody did something to upset me, I didn't address it. And I took that into my marriage dynamic and it wasn't what you might call helpful. You know, I had a very hard time telling my wife when she had done something to hurt me. And that went on for years. And, you know, I'm not, this doesn't suggest that Nicole is a bad person. She's not, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, (laughs) I'm not talking about big things. I'm talking about, you know, little things that bubble up over time and I, I would stay quiet about it. And but, but here's the thing. One day, you know, like Mount Vesuvius erupted. But the clock was ticking for the citizens of Herculaneum. They didn't know it, but their beautiful town lay in the shadow of an active volcano, Mount Vesuvius. You know, as a kid, I used to want to be a game show host. <laughs> it was like an airline pilot game show host. Now, after listening to clips like this, I think I want to be a voiceover artist. Anyway, <laughs> ironically, it was only after spending some time in therapy on my own where, where my goal was to understand why I had a, such a hard time expressing my feelings that I had this aha moment about purgatory. So what's the point, Mike, you might ask? Well, because of my inability to express myself, I held my feelings in. And while doing so, I adopted what Gay Hendricks calls a victim's mentality. I became a martyr in my own mind. And here's the one thing about martyrs. They're all dead. <laughs> You know, and, and I don't want to be dead. I'm not dead. What? Nothing. Here's your nine puts. I'm not dead. Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not. He isn't. Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. But now, thankfully, with help, I'm less likely to hold stuff back. And, and that's actually led to some other issues. And I'll address those maybe at another time. But to foreshadow it somewhat, you know, sometimes when you make changes in a dynamic, those changes do have some repercussions. Now, no longer do I offer up my suffering for the souls of purgatory. Um, And as a result, you know, maybe fewer people are entering heaven on an accelerated timetable, but I'm okay with that. Here's the thing. If you recognize that you need to reinvent something about your career or a personal relationship, here's some good news. It's never too late to do so. I mean, it's certainly not easy, but if you think about it, reinvention is in our nature. Life goes through cycles. We live on a planet that doesn't stay still. It spins on its axis, causing day and night. It circles around the sun, moving through time and space. And as it does so, the seasons change and fashions change. You know, art changes, culture changes, all for a reason. And that's because we change. And those of us who have been able to adapt to those changes can move forward, while those of us who prefer to stay still are left behind. You know, there's a phrase I'm fond of, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but I use it. I use it in, in new business presentations all the time. And it goes like this. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And if you're fine with that, you know, then then, you know, maybe there's no need to do that hard work to reinvent yourself or to address issues in a relationship. But if you're like me and you aren't comfortable with the status quo, here are three things to consider. First, Reinvention is in our nature. You know, our our world is built around it, and oftentimes it's necessary to stay relevant in our careers and strong in our relationships. So that's the first thing. 
And the second thing is that you cannot reinvent yourself if you adopt a victim's mentality. It'll sabotage anything you try to do to move forward. You know, it's kind of like compounding interest in that way. Now, if you find yourself with a victim's mentality, you know, spend some time reflecting on how your actions got you into a certain situation. You know, take responsibility for that and then turn the ship around. And lastly, it's never too late to reinvent oneself. You know, Johnny Cash did it at the end of his life, you know, and if he's able to do it and I'm able to do it, then I have no doubt that you are able to do it. So as always, thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard here today, please tell a friend about it and, uh, you know, feel free. And I encourage you to do this. Subscribe to Uncorking a Story on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love your ratings and reviews, so please send those along as well. And uh, here's some good news. We'll be back on Thursday with another new episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.